0: Let us stand up for Jesus. We are His soldiers, soldiers of His cross. Let us lift up His royal banner, that it should never suffer loss. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted you. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners, saved only by grace. Worship. We were created, and for worship, we should ever lay Jesus, died for our sins, and so now that we have put our faith in Him, He takes away our sin. He pass under His righteousness. Good morning, my dear brothers and sisters, and uh, good morning, all our viewers, those who pray with us. And those who listen to our message and um, share it with others that is what god wants of us but the world is getting from bad to worse as far as moral corruption is concerned acts of Godlessness and lawlessness are everywhere, even as predicted in the Bible, towards that uh, that it will happen towards the end. So let me suggest, my friend, that this is the end. We are in the end, we are living in the end times in the last days. These last days began with Jesus Christ when He will come. Again, as he promised, we don't know. All he has said is, be careful how you live in this world. Do not join yourself with evildoers. And that is our message this morning. Shall we pray? Father, help us to know who we are in Christ Jesus, what we have become. By his death and his resurrection through the washing in his blood that was shed at calvary god wants us to be like his son jesus christ help us father to determine to do that let that be our chief business these years and in the years to come in jesus name we pray amen so our reading this morning is uh, from 2nd Corinthians chapter 6, 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 and we shall read from verses 14 um, and, and then just up to the end and then just cross over to chapter 7 verse 1. This is what the word of God says to us this morning. Do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will be with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence, reverence, for God. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. Now so I have titled our discussion this morning as come out from them. That is today's message and that is the um, that is the message That is a relevant message for now, given the corruption I just mentioned at the beginning. Come out from them is the solution. Come out from them. But who are them? Who are they that we are talking about? Who are they Just to repeat some of what we have read. Therefore, be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, That's our verses 17 and 18. Those are the promises that the word of God is making to you and I. But what does the same word of God demand of you and I? What does one God to see in us? Now, um, as we know, is that through Jesus Christ, God has given His followers a gift of Himself. And he has gifted us of himself on a specific condition that they, that is his followers, will maintain a life of strict strict righteousness, holiness, and justice. This means, my dear friends, Christians are not to be known as Christians by name only. As they live in the world, Christians are to distinguish themselves in avoiding or approving what is evil and in doing only what is good and what is right and what is commendable. Christians... Are to separate themselves from all that is sinful, from any activity or any person who is unholy. Christians need to separate themselves from such people and from their evil deeds. We are to come out from them. But what does it mean exactly that we come out? Of them. Surely we can't come out of the world. True. It is true that the whole world is contaminated by sin. So in that sense, really, there's no place to hide. Everything is contaminated by sin. And we live among sinful people, including our very own families including members of the church, including our closest friends and associates. Therefore, separation in this particular case means two things at the very least. One, it means personal separation. That means you and I, Individually, whether others are with you or not, whether your church comes along with you or not, that you alone has an obligation towards God to separate yourself from sin and evil for as long as you are called Christian, a son of God, a follower of the living God. Personal separation, therefore, involves personal commitment to a godly standard of behavior. And there are many examples in the Bible. Daniel is an example, for instance. Daniel, while in exile, and being only a very young man, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food that was being served them from the from the king's household and also the wine that was being uh, given them to drink because these things these foods had been first of all given to idols They were, first of all, given to the Babylonian idols and their gods, and then the people ate them. Daniel would not defile himself, hungry as he might have been, being a young man in a distant country, but but he resolved not to eat this food, and remember, they asked for water. In so doing, Daniel was guided by the law of Moses that was very particular about foods, ceremonies, clean and unclean, and all that and not. You remember the, when uh, Peter saw a vision uh, that was directed at him to go to a Gentile's house, uh, Cornelius' house, he said, Lord, I have never eaten an unclean thing. This kind of thing. We knew to make our personal choices, not as communities or groups or among friends. It is your personal obligation and the consequences that arise from not doing this are yours alone. Let me ask a question therefore. Is there anything that believers today can abstain from? Yes. The Bible also condemns drunkenness wild parties that the, that is that are normally called in the bible orgies drugs sensuality and all kinds of irresponsible behavior that may lead to temptation instead paul exhorts all believers of that believers of that time and and, and, and us this day to put aside the deeds of darkness, and put on the armor of light, and to behave decently. Uh, you can check this up. This one up in uh, in Romans thirteen. Furthermore, we are to avoid every kind of evil, or simply. We need to be consistent. Consistent, we need to have a personal conviction that. What is out there in the world is evil and God in Christ Jesus wants me to be holy and righteous and so because of my personal conviction I will not eat those things I will not do I will not follow what the evil doers of this world are doing But what does um but what what does the uh, what does the uh, what does the uh, work ecclesiastical okay let me do this separation is two uh, comes in two ways uh, there is a personal separation which I just mentioned and uh, ecclesiastical separation e- um, eccles- by ecclesiastical we mean church separation by the church itself from the world so, the Bible does not um, condemn drunkenness or sinfulness or godlessness in individuals only. The church of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ and it needs to be holy. It needs to insist to practice holiness and righteousness as well as justice. And it needs to insist on its Members living that kind of life, that kind of godly life. So, um, so separation is personal, and also it is, um, you know, separation of the church from the world. But what was the matter, really, with the Corinthian church? Why is Paul warning them? Paul says, I mean in 1 in first Corinthians first of all uh, uh, chapter 5 verses 9 to 12 Paul says there was rivalry and sexual immorality in the Corinthian church and as well as other things involving some of the church members and 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 this is why Paul is warning in our reading today Do not associate yourself with such people, namely believers, sisters and brothers and sisters in the church, including pastors who do not live according to the instructions of the Holy Word. These are false brothers and sisters, and these are false teachers. Keep away from them. Since church discipline is not strictly enforced these days, this kind of moral corruption has found its way into the leadership of the church. In such a case, we have only one option come out from them come out from them. If your church leaders, those who teach and preach and rule over you are, spiritual, are morally and spiritually corrupt, get out of that place as quick as possible. This is what God demanded of Israel in the Old Testament and that is what God demands of his church today. Now the message of the Bible is that in the beginning, God created human beings in his own image and likeness. The image of God, therefore, is a standard, my friends, is a standard by which we should measure our behavior, not someone else's standard. God is holy and his people must be holy as he is. Paul says that our bodies as believers do no longer belong to us, but to God. They have now become God's holy temple, and God dwells in them. Nothing unclean is to be allowed into our bodies. Nothing unclean should ever be tolerated by one calling themselves Christian. This means that there cannot be any fraternity between darkness and light or between the temple of God and the temple of idols. That's why we shouldn't enter into partnerships with sinners and evil doers or who or do what they do. Ultimately, God wants to live among us. Therefore, we must separate ourselves from all ungodliness. So I did mention that there are two kinds of um, separation, uh, personal and ecclesiastical, or the church uh, separating itself. Uh, And I've tried to explain um, the difference between the two. But let me come back to to the question of um, ecclesiastical, you know, the church separating itself. What should the church separate itself from? the church of Jesus Christ needs to separate itself from all associations, all other churches, all fellowships, all institutions, all colleges, all groups, associations, or other, other, other groups that do not maintain God's standard of separation and holiness. I do rec- strongly recommend that we should constantly, as a church, that we should constantly ask ourselves, what is a the theology and what are the moral beliefs and practices of the organizations that fund our programs and offer scholarships to our pastors and our children? What is your moral standing? What is your spiritual standing? What is your theology? What do they believe in? Right now, my friends, it is no longer news. There is tension that has been there and it is accelerating between the church in Africa or churches in Africa and the church in the Western world over this question of same sex. Relationships, including same sex marriages that are blessed in the church. If you get money, donations, or missionaries from such churches, my friends, you are just behaving like them. You are approving of the way they live or the things that they do. Come out from them. Let their money perish with them. My friends, One thing that bothers me is this. Why should there be a debate among Christians whether two men can marry each other or two women can marry together? Why should there be a debate at all? Is it not clear from the Bible that right from the beginning, God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and the two, you know, got together and became married and they became one, and God wanted them to... to to, to multiply and increase and have children and all that, can two men surely have children together? Or two women, for instance. I mean, marriage is not for our benefit alone. God has a purpose for our marriages. And so uh, uh, the first marriage between Adam and Eve was a prototype. That's the thing we should imitate. We cannot create our own versions or marriage if we call uh, ourselves Christians or if we intend to celebrate these marriages in the church and make vows to God. So the only relevant question we should ask ourselves on this particular subject is this. What is God's declared intention for marriage? What is God's declared purpose for marriage? From Genesis to Revelation, My friends, I just want to repeat this. Marriage is between one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others. Full stop. No debate. Anything else, my friends, is an abomination, including polygamy that is rampant in our own own world, uh, you know, in Africa, for instance. Or, Or polygamy. Or polyandry. There are cases where one man, woman is married by several men. I mean, God does not approve of any other kind of marriage except between one man and one woman. And so, because churches do not listen to this, even at the time of Jesus, or, or even Jesus after Jesus had ascended, he sent a warning to the churches of that day through John and which is recorded in the book of Revelation. So, for instance, God, Jesus warns uh, the church at Parganum against tolerating those who taught false doctrines, like Bala- like Balaam had taught Israel, you know, on the way from from Egypt, trying to entice them. So, avoid churches that teach the doctrines of Balaam. This church. Of Paganum was warned to repent and break away from heresies, or else they would face the wrath of Jesus Himself. Likewise, during His ministry in Israel, Jesus warned His followers against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He says, Do not, I mean, listen to them, but do not imitate their character. Do not do as they do. And that's our message as well today. Brothers, sisters in the Lord, and all those who desire to be Christians, we we desperately need a spiritual revival today. We need a personal revival, and we need a church revival. We need to repent of our sins, therefore. Our church today needs to stand up you know, the Church of Jesus Christ today. That means, that means we, are never believers uh, in, in Christ, we need to, st- to stand to be counted as Martin Luther, uh, another uh, church reformers, did some centuries ago. So I say, my dear brothers and sisters, let us stand up for Jesus. We are his soldiers, soldiers of his cross. Let us lift up his royal banner that it should never suffer loss. This world and all the filth in it is to be destroyed in fire. Total destruction, therefore, come out from them. Insist on holiness and purity and righteousness and justice, that means doing right to everybody, loving our neighbor and even uh, our enemies. Be, let us, every believer, be defined by their good deeds, not by their evil deeds. Therefore, my friends, let me invite you this day. Are you a believer? Have you wandered away from the cross of Jesus Christ? Let me strongly advise you, go back there to that cross. Let the blood of Jesus that was shed for you wash away your sins. Repent, confess your sins. In other words, admit your very own sins and ask Christ to forgive you. And he will. And ask for his strength and power to resist every temptation. My friends, there are those who are hearing this message but have never given their life to Jesus. They are not believers at all. Even though they may be church goers even though they may be donating a lot of money to the projects there in the church and all that, and they are called, uh, you know, Christians. It doesn't help, my friend, to do all those things that you are doing, good as they might be, if you have not given your life to Jesus. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, you are going to perish along the world that is soon to perish in the fire. So come to Jesus Admit that you have sinned and fallen and fall short of God's glory. Ask for his forgiveness and he will forgive you and fill you with his Holy Spirit that he will empower you to live righteously. Come out from there, my friend. God bless you. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat all of us as sinners and saved only by grace? For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in him,